Hello, and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. Here with me today to talk about suicide prevention are three high school students from our National Student Advisory Council. Now, as a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. I wanna get us started by having each of our panelists introduce themselves, tell us where you're from, and really kind of, you know, who you are, where you're from, what grade you're in, and why is the topic of suicide prevention so important to you? I'm Paige Lepard, and I'm a senior at CMR High School in Great Falls, Montana. And suicide prevention is important to me because there's been a lot of my friends or even acquaintances around me that I've known that have had like suicidal thoughts or have attempted suicide. And so I just want to bring awareness to it. And just so that people like that know that they're not alone and they have someone to talk to. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Dominic. Um, I am a senior at Providence High School in Burbank, California. And um, suicide prevention is important to me because um, I have dealt with suicidal thoughts in my life and I've struggled and I've gotten to a place where, you know, I am comfortable with sharing my, my story and I'm also, you know, equipped to help other people. And so that's why suicide prevention is important to me because I've dealt with like suicidal ideation. I've been there and now I want to be in a position where I can help others and I can help prevent it because I think that's just the best work that someone who's dealt with it can do is to prevent it and help other people. So that's why it's important to me. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Mohammed Shadid. I'm a junior at South Fayette High School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the topic of suicide prevention is important to me uh, because also I've known several of my friends and people around me who have suicidal thoughts or have thoughts of ending their life. And it's just disheartening to, to me to see that. And I try to help them and overcome uh, them through these struggles. Well, I want to tell you all that I really appreciate your willingness to talk about a topic that most people are afraid to talk about. Um, I do want to let our viewers know this conversation could be triggering. And I want to make sure that you know that you have the ability to take care of yourself. Calling the National Suicide Hotline, uh, having those things available are things that we can do. And we're going to talk about what you can do. But most importantly, if you find yourself being triggered by this conversation, Put a pause on it and come back at another time when you're in a different space, because you know what? We're still going to be here. But I really want to thank you all for jumping in and talking about something that is often so stigmatized. What is suicide prevention? And what does suicide prevention encompass? That's a wonderful question. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you asked that because like you mentioned, it is such a stigmatized topic and it's rarely talked about, which is honestly terrible, if I'm gonna be completely honest. But suicide prevention is honestly the collective efforts and um, the energy you know, put to preventing suicide. 
think some somewhere around 800,000 people um, a year die from suicide. And so it's just all, you know, the collaborative efforts to prevent that. And I don't think people realize, you know, how broad suicide prevention is. I mean, suicide prevention encompasses so much. It encompasses social justice. It encompasses, you know, movements like Black Lives Matter. It encompasses movements like Pride and, you know, rights for the LGBTQ plus community. It, it also, you know, includes feminism and all of these movements that are empowering people who may be suicidal because of the actions and the hate of other people towards, you know, their condition or their identity. And it really, you know, it encompasses so much. It encompasses, you know, passing mental health legislation, improving school conditions, providing students with resources that are, that can help them. It, it encompasses so much and it's daunting, but it's so necessary that when we do work together to prevent suicide, that we, you know, apply all of these different aspects because we can't, you know, not do all of this in one effort. We have to, if we're going to prevent suicide, we really have to prevent suicide. That's what I'm trying to say. I would just like to piggyback off of what Dominic said, kind of about how there's a stigmatism around suicide prevention. I've heard a lot of people think that if you talk about suicide, then that's putting it out there and that causes more suicide. And that's not the case. If you talk about it, if you talk about the grief that people who have had loved ones commit suicide go through, I think you're really showing people that have suicidal ideation like what it's going to be like if they leave and how that people are going to be hurt and that people really do care about them and you have a future to look forward to. I also think the topic of suicide prevention relates to acknowledging uh, the serious the serious topic, recognizing the signs of people who are going struggling so that you're able to alert an adult or someone else to help this person so that another not another life is lost. I think it's also relating to how we have that people who joke about it, um, we should be able to explain to them why this is harmful to people who do struggle from suicide, um, suicidal thoughts and how joking about it, saying like, oh, I just want to kill myself or exaggerating things, statements like these can be harmful to them and can be even triggering to them. You know, I'm so glad that, that you've brought up that issue of if we talk about suicide, that's going to make somebody suicidal. You know, that's not a thing. That is truly not a thing. And we know that people, you know, when we have events that happen in high schools, when you have people who complete suicide, um, that's the thing we should be talking about because that's how you prevent suicide. Mohammed, you brought up an interesting issue about when people joke about suicide and things like that. When someone comes and says, hey, I feel like hurting myself, do you take the, you know, should we take them seriously? If they're being serious, should we take them seriously? Go ahead. Um, I'm going to be, this is how I believe. I think that even if you're not sure if they're being serious, you should always take it seriously. I mean, it's better safe than sorry, in my opinion, in this situation, because on often with people who are dealing with suicidal ideation, and I know this because I've dealt with it, is that you like to test the water with jokes. You know, because you're not going to come up to someone and say, hey, guys, I'm suicidal. I want to die. Like you don't you don't open up that naturally until you've gotten to a place where you you feel comfortable doing so. But a lot of people who are dealing with suicidal ideation, they'll like to test the waters with jokes to see, you know, is this comfortable? Can I say this? What's happening? And so they're not necessarily opening up about it, but they are giving you signs that they are dealing with that. So I would suggest to always take jokes seriously seriously. 
even if you are like 99% sure that they're kidding, there's still that 1%. And you never want to look back on a situation and say, if only I had done something about that joke, or I had said something, or I had supported them extra, maybe they'd still be around. You know, you never want to have to look back on that experience with any negative feelings, none of that hindsight bias, none of it. You want to be able to know that you've done all that you can. And so I would highly suggest that you always take situations like that extremely seriously. Yeah, I agree with them. It's hard to tell um, when people are being serious because especially the media it stigmatizes these um, concerns and these problems in movies, TV shows. They make jokes about it, which in turn causes these viewers to make jokes about it themselves. So it's hard to tell when someone is serious. So I, I do agree with them. It is necessary to if someone um, says I want to hurt myself or hurt others. That it's always necessary to speak to speak to an adult as soon as possible and, um, in order to ensure that this person is safe and that others around them are safe as well. I would just always rather, you know, check up on a friend, even if it's they're make they are truly making a joke, just to be like, hey, like, how are you doing? It's so much easier to do that and just take the preventative measure, just to, you know, if they do want to talk about their feelings, then you're kind of opening that door for them. And if it is truly a joke, then you can kind of move past that. And if it happens again, say, hey, I'd appreciate it if you didn't make jokes about suicide, but at least you're opening the door for a conversation. You know, one of the other issues that you all raised in the in the beginning, and I think Dominic, you're the one who brought this one up, was about social justice and and all of the issues related to Black Lives Matter, to LGBTQ plus rights, and and the fact that here's what we know: we know that LGBTQ plus individuals um, attempt and complete suicide at three times the rate of of other youth. We know that BIPOC youth, especially Black youth, are at an extraordinarily higher risk of attempting and completing suicide than other youth. So when we're looking at a, a situation right now, and, and I know we've talked a lot about um, the situation going on uh, in one of our communities where we have a school that's removed all of the affinity symbols, and it's really become a polarizing event for that community. How does that impact how, you know, people who are BIPOC or LGBTQ+, how does that impact them? How would that impact their, their feelings? This is a wonderful question. And it's important that we discuss this because there are certain communities that are more you know, at risk for suicide. And, and that's okay. complete honesty. And, and I speak to this situation because I am bisexual and because I am also a person of color. And um, why, I mean, why does this happen? It's because, you know, there are so many individuals out there and I've dealt with this firsthand that tell you that because of something, because you are something that you can't control, that you can't minimize, that you can't lessen, you are somehow less than other people. You are somehow less than me. I've been told that straight up. It's terrible. The feeling of it is terrible. And, you know, I like to think that when I would hear something like that, oh, I would brush it off. It would be nothing. I'd be fine with it. But re in reality, it isn't fine. And I feel that deeply. And something that happens in communities like this is we internalize these external negative factors so often. I internalized, you know, this sense of worthlessness for years, because once you're told something enough, you start to believe it. And that's just honesty. I was told Christopher Columbus discovered America enough times I believed it until I was told otherwise. And I'm so sorry I had to mention Christopher Columbus. He was the first example I could come up with. 
it is something that happens. We internalize these negative external factors. And, and that's what happens is that we're told this enough and then we believe it. And so that, I mean, that's why, you know, the suicide rate among BIPOC, you know, individuals and among individuals of the LGBTQ plus community are so much higher than, you know, um, cisgender, heterosexual white men. And that's just because we are put under extra external pressure and extra external hate for something we can't control. And at some point we just start believing it and start accepting it. So just with the removing of all these like symbols from schools, I like understand that I come from a very like privileged place as like a white female in, you know, kind of a small town, like country community. That's like the norm in a way. And so you're spending seven hours a day in this building and that's five days a week for like 12 years of your life. But, you know, high school is four. And so that's just seven hours a day where you feel like you're not being represented and where you just don't feel like your voice is being heard among all the other voices in your school. I also think the fight for social justice relates to helping these marginalized people, these people who are discriminated against, people who they're told worthless and are less than um, the norm. This fight helps them like feel like there's others behind them, there's others supporting them, which makes them feel um, feel like they have self-worth, increases their self-esteem, increases their happiness, all factors which decrease um, the likelihood that they will um, continue having suicidal thoughts and then the possibility of them committing suicide. Because these people in these marginalized communities are at high risk for suicide because they feel like they're alone, Every, the entire world's against them, no one supports them. So this fight for justice helps them feel a sense of hope for their future and that everything will get better for them or that things will get better for them. Um, and I just want to build off of everything that everyone said really quickly. If you are watching this, you're listening to this and you are a person of color or you are part of the LGBTQ plus community, or you are a part of some marginalized community community. I want you to know that you are enough and that you will always be enough. And no matter what anyone says to you, you will always be more than enough and that will never change. And no one can ever minimize your self-worth. And that, and, and that's what I want you to know. And I know it takes so much time to start believing that, but I hope that today you can start that long path of believing that you are worthy of love and, and appreciation and you are more than worthy of everything that you deserve. Could not have said that better because that's part of what the whole fight for keeping affinity symbols in schools is, is so that people see themselves. I think you all have highlighted the importance of being able to see yourself and other people, see how you fit in your school, see where the safe places are for you to be. Those are the things that are so important. And they're part of the resources that are available for people who are feeling suicidal. And I think that's one of the things I want to talk about. You know, you all in the National Student Advisory Council and in the work that you do, um, I know we have curriculum to talk about this, but you all are really educated in the resources that are out there available, not only in your own community, but out there and available nationally. What are some of your go-to resources for suicide? You know, if you're in crisis, you need to talk to somebody. Where do you go? My number one is always going to be my therapist because she's just always open. And so I can just shoot her a text whenever something's going on. So if I ever were to have those thoughts and those ideations, I just could be like, hey, I'm dealing with this right now. And I know that she would call me and we can talk it out together. 
Um, I, I agree. Therapy. I am, I'm in therapy and my therapist is always there for me and I rely on her, um, tremendously. And so she is definitely a huge, you know, supporter for me. And I haven't mentioned yet, but I will, that I am a volunteer at teen line, which is a hotline that is in service of teens and staffed by teens. Um, I would highly suggest that you reach out to teen line. They have a call number, they have a text number, and they also have message boards on their um, website. And you can also email them. They're open from six to 10 PM PST. And at teen line, I actually have to refer individuals to, um, you know, resources to help them manage suicidality, suicidal ideation. And the two resources that I um, use the most is speakingofsuicide.com, which is for survivors of suicide and their families to utilize. Um, it has information, it has advice, it has further resources. It's a wonderful resource. I highly suggest you utilize it if you or a loved one is dealing with suicidal ideation. And the second resource I would suggest is reachout.com. They have, um, again, articles, advice, so many um, resources, you know, compiled together. If you go to the topics, you can choose suicide and you can find resources and information about suicidal ideation all on your screen. I know most people might not think of this, but sometimes your teachers or like organizers, administrators in your school can help with this as a lot. Because I had a new health teacher come in the past year. She was very... Um, passionate about mental health. She just graduated from college. So she was young. She was relatable. You could talk to her about these things. And we helped like started um, a lot of mental health initiatives at my school, such as a ping pong club, which is where like you could just come and blow off some steam, play ping pong with your friends, relax, get away from all the stresses of high school. And we're just trying to improve the the information, the education and understanding of the stigma of mental health and how it's not true and trying to um, understand that you can reach out to help from your counselors and other teachers. Well, and I want to make sure that we mention the National Suicide Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. That's an important number. And services like Teen Line and in Oregon, we have Youth Line. Uh, there's also Crisis Text Line. I think that's text to 741741. Um, all of those types of things are accessible and they're there 24 hours a day because, you know, as, as Dominic, you said, about approximately 800,000 people each year die by suicide. There are movements out there called zero suicide that believe that we can get to a world where we can basically eliminate suicide. How do we even begin to do that? How do we even begin to prevent that? What are your ideas of a world where suicide isn't a thing? I think just doing what we're doing now is a good place to start. If you just start the conversation and you start creating those safe places where people can talk and feel like they are heard, no matter like who the audience is, they know that they have a place and they have someone to talk to and someone to reach out to. Um, I agree. Starting conversations is always the first step. Creating awareness about a topic is always the first step before action. Um, and building off of that, I think that a great place to start would be passing legislation that requires that mental health curriculum be taught in schools. Because let's start where it begins. Let's really address the root. You know, I mean, 
we're learning more and more about how suicidal ideation is persistent among youth communities. And so right. we should be starting in school and we should be starting with comprehensive mental health resources and curriculum that help prevent this. And I think that that's one of the biggest steps that we can take um, to prevent suicide. And I think that we should currently, you know, we should be advocating for federal legislation that, you know, implements certain curriculum because, if we're going to learn about math and science, I think we should also learn about mental health. I also think that uh, relates to creating a self environment because high school can be a vicious place. Like just people are really mean to each other. Terrible. So they say terrible things all the time. So I think the creating awareness around how detrimental um, some words can be triggering to others and how some people do really struggle with these problems can help improve the overall environment and make people more aware of what they say. Uh, because I know people who have like controlled more of what they said because they've realized how it is harmful to others. You know, that's such a good point. And I, and I like that you brought up the, the idea that we need some legal changes here to support the idea of mental health curriculum in schools right now. Here, here's what I know. Um, 75% of all mental health conditions are identified by the time someone is 24 years old. So they present between the ages of 14 and 24, 75%. Now I want you to think for a minute, let's pretend, let's pretend for a minute that 75% of throat cancer presented between the ages of 14 and 24 or lung cancer. Can you imagine that you all would walk into high school, you know, you walk into middle school and there would be screenings for throat cancer and lung cancer. It would be a thing. It would be done. And yet we know 75% of mental health conditions present, and yet it takes an average of six years before someone first gets help. Why do you think it's so hard for people to get help? I think it's because people don't want to admit that they have it. They want to be like over it. They want to like realize, they, they want to ignore their problem. Uh, they don't want to acknowledge that it's real because that's going to probably um, worsen their condition, uh, make them feel like they're weak relating to the stigmatization of mental health. And if you have it, you're weak and that you're worthless. I also think that people would be ashamed to bring it out, especially if those around them are like, what, just get better, feel better. Cause that's a common thing people bring up all the time. And it's very harmful to their confidence and self-esteem and their attempt to be open about what they struggle with. Yeah, I, I have to piggyback off of what Mohammed said. 100% I attribute it to the stigma, 100%. Mm -hmm. I, and as someone who has been in that position where I have, where I was at my lowest point and I had to somehow tell everyone that I wanted to end my life, like that was an extremely difficult position to be in because you don't, at the time I didn't, there wasn't no, there wasn't a playbook for me to follow. I mean, I didn't realize there was a playbook saying, okay, step one, do this. No, I didn't have that. And you know, you're taught to suppress your feelings from a young age and you're taught to sort of deal with it on your own time at a very young age. And so I was at a position where I didn't think it was necessary or appropriate to talk about my feelings, especially around suicide, because that seems like such a daunting topic to discuss because we rarely talk about it, that I didn't feel like it was a good thing to discuss. And so because I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of the, the condition I was in, I never spoke about it. And I think that the first step to, you know, preventing something like that is having these conversations. So it's normalized, so it's familiar, so it's comfortable. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just, I think that's what's, you know, holding us back. I would just like to add that I think a lot of people think the like weak thing to do, kind of like Muhammad said, is like going to therapy, getting the help you need, talking about it. Mm -hmm. But really not talking about it is kind of taking the easy way out. But by going and getting help and reaching out to the people around you, you're doing the hard thing and you're doing something that's making you stronger. And like in that act itself, you are strong by reaching out to the people around you. You know, it's hard to know what to say. And I think you all have touched on this idea of it's really hard. There's not a playbook that says, how do I approach somebody who said to me, I feel like hurting myself. It's not worth it anymore. The world would be a better place if I wasn't here. What do you say to somebody when they say something like that? And I'm sure you've all been in a variety of that position. What do you say? I think the first step is to make sure that they know that they feel loved, um, that you are there for them, you, you are supporting them, that they do make a difference in this world, that people will notice if they, you are gone. Um, ask them what they're going through. What can I do to help you? Acknowledge their feelings. Acknowledge that they exist. Acknowledge the struggle. Um, don't put it like, don't under um, undermine anything they're going through, anything they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, acknowledge everything they say and make them feel as loved as possible and as supported as possible. Make them feel heard. Nice. I think also just if you're close with them and you know kind of what they like and what tends to make them feel better, like just taking them to go get coffee like once a week and just, again, opening that space and just say, okay, we're going to go sit down and get coffee once a week. So there's something for them to look forward to just in the like near future. That nice partnership. I like that. Um, So I would start by saying that your feelings and your emotions don't necessarily, or that aren't necessarily true, but they are valid. They are very valid. You wanna always validate someone's feelings, even when you're like, whoa, that's so far from the truth. But what they're feeling is still valid. It doesn't necessarily mean it's correct, but it's still valid. It's still what they're feeling. Don't Definitely do not dismiss what they're feeling because that will just cause them to retreat and to you know get behind their bunker and to hide from you. And then next, I mean, in my opinion, I would say remind them of all the ways that they're important and all the people that they're important to. And I know that they probably already know that. And you probably know that they already know that. But it doesn't hurt to say you're so important to me. I don't know what I'd be doing without you right now. Seriously, I depend on you so much. Just let them know that they're important, that they have influence on what's going on around them. And support them whenever necessary and whenever you feel comfortable doing so you have to make sure that you're you know respecting your own boundaries in situations like these well i think i've heard all of you mention get partner with uh partner with an adult be it a trusted teacher a parent a therapist if someone comes and tells you that they're feeling suicidal all the things you're talking about are the 110 percent correct thing to do that idea of connecting with somebody, partnering with them, giving them future orientation, and then responding, getting them connected to the resources, whether it's, we're gonna call Teen Line together. Sit down, I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna sit with you. We're gonna go see Mrs. Jones together. I'm gonna stay with you. Uh, But that idea that you're with them. And I love the fact that you brought that right along in line with the curriculum that we have through Work To Be Well, our emotionally, 
connect, partner, and respond uh, curriculum, which is on our Work to Be Well website, because we're really passionate about the idea that we have to unveil the stigma of suicide and actually have conversations about it. And as we're coming into our last few minutes here, I want to give you all, um, you know, a final opportunity to really kind of reflect on on what are the things you want people to remember and take away from talking about suicide and, and what do you want them to have top of mind as our listeners are thinking about this episode? I think just number one, that talking about it isn't going to do any harm. And if you're bringing up suicide awareness and that there's resources for people, someone's going to hear you and you may not notice, you may be talking to a crowd and no one's answering, but if you are just telling people, then they will someone is going to use that and someone is going to need that in the moment and you may never know, but at least you're getting it out there. I also think just making them aware that there are people for them. They are not alone. They have resources available that if they need to talk and if they ever need to talk about something, if they ever need to admit their feelings that you are there for them, uh, that you have, they have friends that are there for them. Um, Also that it's, you you are important in this world um it's a miracle that you are alive because it could be someone else it's it, the, the, there's a statistic that you being alive is um more rare than winning the lottery a certain great number of times so i just i think that's an important concept to remember yeah and i mean i'm going to follow up on every what everyone's saying i think that the most important thing is to be supportive to be validating to be appreciative to be affirming you know, it's hard to reach out to resources that are there for you because it feels wrong at first. And that's how I felt. I felt like it was wrong. I felt like I wasn't supposed to do this. I didn't, I shouldn't need a resource, but it's important that you're there and you're like, you know, your feelings are valid. And, and I, and I hope that you reach out to these resources because it doesn't make you any less of a person. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you strong, nothing. It makes you it just it just makes you realize that you that you might need external support and so affirming that you know external support isn't wrong it isn't bad and just uh, you know supporting your friend whenever necessary and being honest if you're concerned about them if you're concerned about them tell them that make sure that you are open and honest in an appropriate and a supportive and validating manner and validate their feelings support them affirm what they're saying in an appropriate manner and help them connect with resources because it's hard to connect with resources. That's what I want to say is that, you know, be there for the person that you need to be there for. Well, I want to go back to some of the wisdom that you all shared earlier, Dominic, as you said so eloquently, you are enough. And Paige, as you said, everyone has infinite worth. I mean, we really are thinking about, how people matter and you are enough. I want to thank you all for joining me on Talk to Be Well as we talked about the challenging and yet important topic of suicide prevention. If you are looking for support with your mental health, if you are feeling suicidal, please reach out to the Suicide Helpline. Please reach out to Youthline, Teenline, the Trevor Project, Crisis Text Line, any of those resources. They are all available at providence.org. They are also all available at work to be well. That's work the number two be well.org. 
our curriculum is there that's available to to download for free talking about depression anxiety how to have crucial and critical conversations and what kind of things that that you need to do in order to talk about suicide and suicide prevention in your schools today thank you all for listening and partnering with us i so appreciate all of you muhammad and dominic and paige for being so brave to talk about this tonight. Take care, everybody, and be well.